0: Good morning. Or maybe to those of you with young children, I should say good afternoon. Merry Christmas to everyone. Would you turn to your neighbor and say Merry Christmas? Hey, That's just two words. It shouldn't take that long to say Merry Christmas now. We are so thankful that you're here today. Whether you are a member here or a regular or a visitor, we're very grateful for your presence and it's a very special day. Uh, And we have many family members here because it's a holiday and I hope that your Christmas is already off to a wonderful start and I hope you will enjoy uh, the rest of your day with family and friends. It is uh, a day that many people look forward to all year long, Uh, but today is not only Christmas. Uh, it's also, and more importantly, the Lord's Day. So, would you turn to your neighbor and say, "Happy Lord's Day!" This is a day. This is a day that we set apart, as the early Christians did. The first day of the week, Resurrection Day, the day on which Jesus uh, came back to life. We set this day apart. We keep it holy. We gather together and give God all the glory and praise that is due His name. And that's why we're here this morning. That's why you're here. That's why in spite of all the gatherings and big plans that you had, you made time to come and worship God with us today. This is our last Lord's Day, our last Sunday of 2016. Is that is that correct? Next Sunday is January 1. I'm a, Christmas has uh, got my brain in a funk. It's the last Sunday of the year, and our church family has been very blessed this year. Uh, we've had 10 families to place membership here with us. We have rejoiced with nine uh, precious souls who were added uh, to the kingdom through baptism. Uh, We had six babies who were born. Uh, We've seen an uptick in attendance in all of our gatherings, especially on Wednesday nights and uh, for Sunday school. Um, But all of this good news we should celebrate, and yet it shouldn't cause us to become complacent because there is still much growth to, to be experienced here spiritually. There are still many more people to reach with the gospel of Christ in our community. And I'm praying that 2017 will be an even more prosperous, healthy year than 2016. And it will take all of our people to make that a, a possibility. One of the ways that we want to grow in 2017 uh, is through these one word books that we are distributing. They are available one final Sunday in the lobby. And so um, if you're one of our people here, Make sure on your way out, you grab a book. And next Sunday, I'm going to preach on the first word of that book. And then we will begin reading through that devotional book. And that will take us through the entire year of 2017. And I'm excited about uh, the growth that I hope we will experience from that. And I want to challenge you, once you get your book, keep up with that book. Write your name in it. Uh, If we find one laying around, we may have to bring it up here and embarrass people. You know, if they lose their book. I'm not we're not going to rule that out, but try to keep up with your book. I can't promise that we'll have another one for you. So that is your book. Underline it. Make it your own. Uh, Really dig in and uh, enjoy that that growing experience that we will all be participating in next year. All right. This is going to close out a sermon series that we've been going through the past few Sunday mornings about Christ. We've been looking at the amazing, marvelous Son of God, have you ever been so excited about something that you, you wanted to tell everybody? Um, maybe it was when you had your first child. Maybe it was when you uh, achieved something really significant in your life. Uh, maybe it was when a child of yours experienced a great accomplishment, and you wanted to share that with as many people as you could tell. I remember being down in Disney World many years ago when I asked Lauren for her hand in marriage when we got engaged. And she did say yes, and I was very excited that uh, I wanted to tell all the strangers that I saw walking through Disney World, which is a little bit outside of my personality. This is more like something Alex would do, but uh, she... (laughs) She tells me that every person that we walked by, I said, hey, we just got engaged. You know, like they cared. Oh, yeah, whatever. I'm going to Pirates of the Caribbean, whatever. Uh, we just got engaged like they were a good friend or family member. I wanted to shout it from the rooftops. This was a shout it from the rooftops moment for me. And, and I think for Lauren, although I didn't hear her telling anybody when we were down there. It was all me, but hopefully she was excited about it, too. This phrase, shout it from the rooftops. Did you know this comes from the Bible? Uh, There are two places in the Gospels when Jesus himself uses this phrase, except he says, shout it or or, uh, proclaim it from the housetops. I think our text this morning from Colossians, and we've been in Colossians the past five weeks looking at some amazing truths about Christ. About the Savior of the world, about the Son of God. The text that we're looking at this morning from Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, and specifically one detail from this text. As I read this, I think it is a shout it from the rooftops moment for Paul as he's writing this letter to this young church in the city of Colossae. Christ says at the end of verse 27 of chapter 1, that Christ in you is the hope of glory. This is a declaration from Paul to this young church. That Christ lived, Christ Jesus dwelling in them, living in them as baptized believers, that he provides the expectation of sharing in the radiance and the brightness and the splendor of God in the future, in the life to come. That's what this means here. Christ living in you provides the hope of future glory. This is a shout it from the rooftops moment. This is an exciting declaration that Paul shares with these early Christians. And yet, when we begin to think about this Christ, the Savior, when we begin to think about his life on this earth, when we begin to consider him, we might just find... Our excitement fading a bit. We might begin to feel a bit deflated. Like the wind has been taken out of our sails. And as we look at, the, at Christ's life, Paul's declaration, it, it might seem a bit ironic. I want us to look first at the manger. I want you to go there with me. To the place where the animals dwelled in the stable. Where Jesus was born. By Mary, Joseph was there. And they were there because there was no room in anyone's home or in the inn. This was the last resort. And so they came to this place. And we've been to the manger before in our series. The animals are there. The, you can smell the odor. And it's a dirty place. And you know, through the years, we we tend to romanticize the manger. Sweet little baby Jesus asleep on the hay. Y'all, it smelled bad in there. It was not clean or sanitary. We've made Jesus' birth this soft and tame children's story, but it was anything but that. You see, Christ Jesus was born into a world of, well, for one, oppression. Um, God's people, His people from the Old Testament, Israel, they were not a self-governing nation at this time. They were ruled... Uh, oppressively by the Roman Empire. They were underneath the iron fist of Rome. They had to answer to Rome and Roman authorities would come in and direct how they ought to worship and how they ought to live. And if they didn't obey Rome, they had to face serious consequences and punishment. And so Jesus was born into this world of great oppression. Jesus was also born into a world of violence. The Romans were not the only bad guys in this story. you remember Herod, the king of the Jews? The wise men came and they say, can you point us to the king of the Jews who's been born? Well, that gets Herod shaken in his boots because he's the king. And so he crafts a plan to have all of the the young baby boys under two years of age in Bethlehem and the surrounding areas slaughtered. And Jesus only escapes the slaughter because Joseph... Uh, has a vision of an angel who says, you need to take Mary and the unborn child down to Egypt and stay there, not the unborn child, the, the baby boy, and stay there until the slaughter is over. Jesus was born into this world of great violence and also poverty. We were just talking about where Jesus was born. This wasn't a hospital room. It wasn't a nice birthing area. Mary had to give birth here in, uh, as goats and And animals and and cows looked on. Jesus was born into this world of oppression and violence and poverty. This is not some romantic, soft, tame children's story. And so, Christ is the hope of glory? Well, pardon me, but as I look at this scene, it just doesn't seem that way because he was born into such a hopeless and dark world. Now, go with me from the beginning of his life to the end of his earthly life. Go with me to the cross. And of course, the shadow of the cross hangs over the manger scene and it hangs over all of the events of Jesus' life until the very end. The cross is where Jesus is headed from the very time He takes His first breath when He enters the world. The Christ, the Son of the God, you mean the Son of the living God, you mean to tell me, winds up on a Roman execution device? An execution device reserved for the very worst criminals. The lowest of the low. An execution device designed to send a message that said, don't mess with Rome or we will punish you in the very worst way possible. The savior of the world, the son of God, the story ends like that. His life ends like that on a cross reserved for criminals. And he died in the most cruel and the most excruciating and the most humiliating way that anybody had ever thought of. It was a surprising twist. And it seemed to many of the early Christians that this was not a sign of the strength of God. This was not a sign of the wisdom of God. This kind of death seemed foolish and weak. And for that reason, many people rejected faith in Jesus Christ. Because surely the Son of God wouldn't have to die in that way. And it seems foolish and weak to many today. Surely the one sent from God, the Savior of the world, wouldn't die like a criminal on a coarse piece of wood. Surely not. Christ, the hope of glory. But his death. It seems like the most hopeless and the darkest moment in human history. And then. When we fast forward a bit and consider the lives of Christ's followers uh, post the life of Jesus, the outlook doesn't seem to get much better. I mean, take the letter to the Colossians that we've been looking at over the past few weeks from which our text comes this morning. The recipients of this letter in this city, these early Christians are dealing with a philosophy and we don't know all the ins and outs of it, but it is posing a dangerous threat to their fledgling Christian faith. It is leading them away from Christ. It is distracting them from Christ. And Paul spends much of this letter opposing, confronting this dangerous philosophy and trying to prevent this from sending the the Colossians' faith way off track. And speaking of Paul, the writer of this letter, do you know where he is when he's writing it to these Christians? He's in prison. He's in Rome. And he's awaiting certain Death. His imprisonment is going to end with execution. And yet he writes in this letter to this struggling young church that may or may not survive. Christ is the hope of glory, and yet hopelessness and darkness surrounds the early church on all sides. Now, fast forward even further to us, to Christians today, in today's world, to Christians. Who are in this building right now, who live in this community and beyond, we continue to face challenges and tragedies that drain us of our hope. And I'm just gonna, this is gonna be the tip of the iceberg here, but I think about drug addiction, something that greatly affects our society and our community, a scourge in our nation. Deaths from drug overdoses have skyrocketed. We all know people in our families and our friend groups who have succumbed to, to drug addiction. And, and this great problem can drain us of our hope. I think also about all the people who are struggling with cancer. I seem to see more and more Facebook posts that say, I hate cancer. And I know to many of you, those are not just words. You mean it from the from the from deep within you. you You really mean those words. I hate cancer. Because it has ravaged the bodies of people that you know. It has taken the lives of people that you love. And it can zap our hope. And it can make our world seem very dark. And you know, this is supposed to be the most joyful time of year. It's a time that many celebrate the birth of Christ. And yet many of you are thinking about the death of many people that you love. People who ought to be celebrating this holiday with you. But they were taken from this life much too soon. And so there's a cloud of despair that hangs over Christmas for you. And that drains away your hope. And that makes this world seem very dark. Christ, the hope of glory. What about all the despair? What about all the darkness? And we've just talked about our problems. I haven't even touched on all of the issues that humanity and that Christians in particular are dealing with the world over persecution and starvation. Christ, the hope of glory. It just seems that despair and darkness is everywhere we look. But let me, as I stand up here today, let me light a candle. Not literally, but as we have talked about all the darkness and despair that we observe in our world, let me metaphorically hold up a candle and light it. And let me say that after considering all that, that is when we should remember that it is in the pit of despair and darkness when we most need hope of a brighter future. On June 4, 1940, Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, gave a speech to the House of Commons and to Parliament And the speech was given on the eve of World War II and it has come to be known as We Shall Fight on the Beaches. That's just one line. The nation and the world was about to enter into an extremely tumultuous season and some of you were there. Some of you remember. There was to be great destruction and death in Britain and beyond. Nazi bombs would be dropped. Soldiers and civilians alike would be lost. The people would become hopeless, the world dark. Yet listen to these lines from Churchill's speech. This is what he said. Even though large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states have fallen, or may fall, into the grip of the Gestapo and all the odious apparatus of Nazi rule, we shall not flag or fail. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. 1940, the war was nowhere close to being won. And yet you hear Winston Churchill with this language of victory because he realized that it was in this hopeless and dark moment in the world's history when hope of a brighter future was most needed and let me say that the christian faith provides hope of glory in the darkest and the most hopeless of circumstances and we've been to the manger but there's another side of the manger that we haven't considered because the angel's came and they praised the newborn king and they sang glory in the highest and peace on earth and the angel's strain becomes ours today. And the cross, the cross which seemed like a humiliating defeat of Christ Jesus, God says actually through that I have defeated the enemies. Over all the evil forces, I have been victorious through the cross. And the story of Jesus doesn't end at the cross. It ends at the empty tomb when Jesus comes back to life, when He is raised victorious to give us hope of new life and salvation forever and ever with God. There is hope in Christ. Christ, the hope of glory, is good news. And it's news that we can shout from the rooftops. We don't have to be ashamed. We know that there's darkness and despair in this world, but Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's the message that the world needs and longs to hear. And you and me, as God's people, as Christians, we are called to point the world beyond the present gloom, Not to get caught up in talking about how bad things are. Sometimes Christians are, well, we're the guiltiest of this kind of thing. We get to talking about how good the old days used to be and how bad things are now. That shouldn't characterize us. We have a glorious future waiting on us and we need to take the people of the world and point ahead and show them how they can get in on that. And it's only through Christ. They can experience the future promises of our faith by embracing Christ as well. And that means in our daily lives, we as Christians, we have got to choose hope over despair. We've got to look ahead to future glory Instead of getting mired in the present darkness. A year ago this month, a friend of mine and a fellow minister, he lost his young son very unexpectedly. He and his wife awoke one morning and their young boy had passed away in the night, cause unknown. I cannot imagine, and I know you can't either, the pain, the agony, That they have endured over this past year. But I also know. And they would tell you this. If they were here today. They could not have made it. Through this dark hopeless season. Without a relationship with Jesus Christ. On the anniversary of the boy's death. Just a few weeks ago. My friend posted on Facebook. A picture of his young son's grave. With this caption. Soon this day of pain will give way to 10,000 years of joy. Now that's not sweeping the agony under the rug. That's not pretending that the despair and the darkness doesn't exist. That's acknowledging the pain that we feel in this world, but that is choosing to look ahead to the 10,000 years of joy that will greatly outweigh any struggle, any challenge, any example of hopelessness and darkness and despair that we can experience in this life. And that hope, that ability to look beyond it all, that only comes from Christ. And Christ is only your hope of glory if He lives in you. And my question this morning is, does He? He does if you've confessed His name before men. He does if you've been baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. He does if every day you wake up and you try to walk and step with the Spirit, embracing this new life in Christ. And if He doesn't, I want to invite you to come this morning and to receive the greatest gift that God has to offer. You may have already opened some gifts this morning. I met somebody coming in the door, and he said, I got a brand new TV, brand new flat screen TV for Christmas. Our girls have opened some gifts this morning. Maybe you have too. You've gotten some stuff that you like. Let me tell you, let me remind you, the greatest gift of all is Christ in you, who provides the hope of glory. And not only will you be receiving the greatest gift if you come and you confess the name of Christ, and if you go up into these waters and you're immersed for the forgiveness of your sin, you'll not only be receiving the greatest gift of all from God, you'll be giving the greatest gift that you could possibly give to your family, to your friends, to everybody that you come into contact with. The greatest gift that you can give the people that you love in your life, the people with whom you share relationships is your own relationship with Jesus. Is by becoming a Christian. Are you ready to this morning? Wouldn't that be a glorious thing on Christmas Day to witness somebody say, yes, I have decided to follow Jesus. I don't want to wait a minute longer because I need hope that there's a brighter future. I need Christ in me, the hope of glory. Or if you're a Christian and you need prayers for any reason, this is also a time for you to come. Why don't you do it while we stand and sing right now? Yonder on Calvary, mount, our poor, there where the blood of the Lamb was <laughs> spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that well pardon and with Him. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Dark is the thing that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away, Lord, there is flowing a river.